This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. UWA 517, do you want to report a UFO? Over? Negative. We don't want to report. Ares 31, do you wish to report a UFO? Over? Negative. We want to report one of those either. Uh, Ares 31, do you wish to file a report of any kind of it? I wouldn't know what kind of report to file, sir. Uh, Ares 31, uh, me neither. 071, pop the golf. Go ahead. Was anybody a stuff? Uh, Above us, the pass was like 30 seconds ago. There's seven one Papa Golf negative. Okay. Stop this. A UFO. Yeah. It's emergency 95. Yeah, something just passed over. It's uh, like us. Don't know what it was, but it's at least two, three thousand feet above us. So yeah, I passed right over the top of us. Nine one one. You guys busy? Did we just call about the UFOs? Mm-hmm. They're out there. Taking airplanes. 
UFO Chronicles, a place where people share their experiences of the strange and unexplained. If you've had an encounter and would like to be on the show, you can email me at ufochronicles at gmail.com. Welcome to the show, everyone, wherever in the world you are listening from. I hope you're all doing good this week. I'm Nick Hunter, and you are listening to the UFO Chronicles podcast. And if you enjoy the show, please share it and leave a ratings and review wherever possible if you can, as it helps the show to be more discoverable to new listeners and future guests. Tonight is Trent from Long Island, New York, and he will be sharing his experiences beginning with the paranormal, where he would see cats and a lady in his house when he was young, and then he would witness a disc-shaped object that would appear to be following the car he was traveling in at nine years old, and then a sighting he had in 2019. But before we hear from Trent, thank you to all those leaving ratings on Spotify and reviews on Apple Podcasts, and they are R. Loco, Joanne, Joseph Slack, Mike Breedlove, SC, Porcelain Pony, Whiteside83, and finally, Gabby Obert. Thank you all. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and would like to help support my work, there is a couple of ways to do this. Either you can join Patreon and become a patron of the show for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate via PayPal. And if you like, you can set up monthly reoccurring payments. All links to support the podcast are below in the show notes and on the website. Any help is extremely appreciated and it helps the show to continue running. Now, on with the show. Welcome, Trent, to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored to be a part of it. And it's great to have you come on today. And you're calling from Long Island, New York. Correct. The east end of Long Island, Shelter Island is where I am. Shelter Island. Great stuff. Okay. Now, Trent, you come on today to share some of your experiences with our listeners tonight. Would you like yeah. to start the very beginning for us, please? Absolutely. All right. So when I was young, maybe around eight or nine, I have a memory of my stepfather telling me that when I was in my, you know, twos and threes, we lived in a small house in, uh, in Sag Harbor, which isn't far from where I live now. And I was just learning my words. I was two or three years old, right? So I would always talk about the cats. I would tell my mom and stepdad that I see the cats and that I see this old woman. I see the lady. So that was something that <clears throat> I started saying when I was really, really young. I was just learning to to speak. And, you know, we didn't own any cats. And there was no, you know, elderly woman <laughs> living in our house. And when they told me this, I was so fascinated by it. I just wanted to know more. I would say, tell me more. And then what? And then what? But that was as far as the story went. And, you know, to them, they thought that, you know, I was really, really young. And it could be my imagination or it could be the idea that, 
you know, young children are more perceptible to energies that we can't necessarily see when we grow older. So it kind of just, you know, went away. Now, I don't necessarily remember, you know, seeing those cats, but I definitely remember my stepfather telling me about it and how obsessed I was learning more about that story. So that was the first part of, you know, growing up and having strange experiences. So as I grew older, I always had this horrible fear of ETs. I do not know why. It was like a some type of obsession at the same time. So I was deathly afraid. But I was super drawn. Anything involving UFOs or ETs or anything like that. When I was young, maybe around 10 or 11 years old, there would be commercials on TV for, you know, unsolved mysteries and sightings and encounters. And these commercials would come on TV, you know, tonight at eight sighting so I would, I would i would see those and i'd say hey mom mom i really want to watch this tonight and she would say okay sure so i'd go on with the rest of my day and then you know eight o'clock would come around and that show would come on and my mother would call me she'd be like trent you know, it's time that show you wanted to watch is going to be on i'd say oh great now run over to the tv and i would sit on the floor right in front of the television and within moments of just like the visuals of seeing you know objects you know lights in the sky would just turn me inside out i would just buckle over and i would start to just like shut down and it happened every time and my mother would come over to the tv and shut it off and you know to her i asked her about it you know growing up and she just thought it was just a little bit weird she didn't think it was anything you know too uh too crazy you know but looking back at it now in retrospect like that's some serious it's like some serious red flags. And I'm a father now and I have a son as well. And if that type of behavior, you know, was coming from him, you know, then that would definitely be something that I would like to speak with him about, you know, more. So, you know, growing up having this wild, you know, obsession, it's like basically one of the only things that I was thinking about, you know, growing up was, you know, ETs and UFOs. The first encounter I had, I was with a friend and we were headed up to Mazapequa for his karate practice. Now, I didn't take karate, but I was going along with the friends of the family. And I'm not going to say his name because I didn't ask him permission. So I'll just refer to him as my friend. We went up to Massapequa, which is a, it's a few hours from where we live here on the East End. Oh, at this time, I'm probably around 12, 11 or 12. And uh, I don't remember much of the karate class, but I remember the way back. We, his father, John, drove a minivan. It was a Ford Windstar, I believe. And it's one of those big green minivans with a sliding door on one side and the, and the seat so the whole family can fit in. It was me, my friend, his brother, who was a little bit younger than him, and his baby sister, who was in the car seat, and his mom, who was in the passenger seat, and his father, who was driving. And me and my friend, we were sitting in the back, the very, very way far back of the, of the minivan. So we weren't facing forward. We were sitting basically in the trunk of this minivan. We were staring out the window you know, watching the road, watching the lines, you know, just the yellow lines on the road disappear off into the distance as we drove by. Now it got dark and we're going pretty fast, you know, down, you know, a rather large highway. It was a two-lane highway, uh, east and west, uh, two lanes on each side. So it was a four-lane highway. And up in the distance, me and my friend both noticed that there was this large, this large disc just right up there in the sky. It was tremendous. It was, it was large to me. It was probably the size of, of an 18-wheeler or a, uh, a truck hauling a trailer. And I'd say it was probably 
relatively close. We're talking like 500 to 1,000 feet up in the sky, and it seemed to be spinning. And the lights on it were orange and red and blinking blue. There was no green light, so it was like orange and red. And it was just really, really strange. And as we saw it, we hollered out to the, you know, to his parents in the front. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Look! Look! And sure enough, all of us we started, you know, you know, scanning the skies. You know, because you know, they were facing a different angle. His mom was facing forward in the front seat. She kind of climbed into the back a little bit to peer up. And then she saw it, too. So this is a, a multiple witness, you know, sighting. As, you know, we're experiencing this, the, uh, the disc seems to be, you know, flying along and seemingly following the van. It was relatively late at night and there were no other cars that I remember, you know, on the highway. But I remember exactly how I was feeling and what I was thinking when this was happening. So me and my friend were in the back and we were just experiencing this, this craft. Uh, it was spinning also, uh, slowly. It was spinning slowly and it was traveling with us down the highway. Um, I remembered feeling not too uneasy and I felt okay with it. And I think because I had company and I remember reflecting on that moment and thinking, wow, this is great. I'm experiencing this, this anomaly and I'm not freaking out like I always do when I watch it on TV. And me and my friend are in the back and we're sort of just like pretending we're communicating with it, pretending we're talking to it. Uh, this whole experience lasted quite a while. This was probably 15 to 20 minutes of just on the road with this thing. It didn't seem to get any lower or any higher. It just stayed steady and followed along, you know, with us as we went. And we were, like I said, we were rolling around in the back of the van, laughing and playing and pretending that we were talking to it. And uh, after a little bit, something happened and there was a shift. There was a shift in our, in our emotions, I guess, where I did start to get a little afraid. And I can tell that my friend also was because we stopped laughing and we stopped playing. We just started watching it. And then that old familiar fear just set in again. I felt it in the pit of my chest. I felt it in my stomach. I, I just wanted to cry. <laughs> it was almost unbearable. And I saw that Frankie, was, uh, my friend, was experiencing the same type of thing. And uh, his father, you know, John, was always like a happy-go-lucky type of guy. He was always funny and really, really goofy and really, really playful. And he had some really, really, really corny, weird jokes. He was, and he was driving and he was trying to sort of, I, I don't remember him. And I saw his face when I looked into his rearview mirror. And I saw that he was desperately trying to cheer us up and make us laugh, even though he was afraid himself. Now, I don't know if I was just reading too much into it. Again, I was only like 11 or 12 years old. But this is just what I was, you know, receiving from this you know, scenario. And then after a little bit after that, I can tell we were all afraid. His father, John, was driving. and He wasn't saying anything. Uh, his mom was in the passenger seat trying to tend to his baby sister in the car seat that, would, that was forward facing and the seat right behind her. Uh, it, it was just very, very scary for the rest of the trip while this thing was behind us. And then that's it. Just like it came, it was gone. The rest of the ride home, didn't seem too unusual. I didn't experience any lost time or anything like that. Um, but some of the next parts that I remembered is when we got back to 
far out east where we live, uh, where I live. And I got to my mother, and the first thing I told her was, Mom, 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 we saw a UFO, we saw a UFO. And then I turned to go look at John, so he would say, yeah, yeah, we did. And he would, uh, in hopes that he would, uh, you know, confirm that I wasn't just, you know, being, you know, playful and making up stories. And he did. He was like, yeah, we saw something in the sky. We saw a disc, and there was lights, and they were orange and red, and he told her the whole thing. And as he was telling her, I was so like pleased. I was like, yes. I was like, finally, like now I'm not going to be, you know, brushed off like it was, you know, just my imagination or nothing. And, you know, to my horror, my mother, she was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and went back inside. I was like, oh, my God, this is a tremendous experience. And it's just like, God. And I thought about that experience for a very, very long time. After reaching out to you, Nick, uh, I reached out to my friend. And I haven't spoken to him probably around since. So this is, say, 20 years. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him. And I sent him a message on Facebook. Now, I don't have any social media. I did have a Facebook at one point. Um, if you go to a Facebook with my name, it's still there, but I just don't use it. You know what I mean? I have the messenger, but I don't do the, the scrolling and the posting and stuff like that. Anyway, I went on Facebook and I looked him up. Sure enough, I found him and I sent him a, a message. And I quickly... You know, that didn't like rekindle our friendship, but I quickly just let myself, you know, introduce myself again and say, hey, we were really good friends when we were younger. Do you remember me type of thing? He was like, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, shortly after that, I, I wanted to cut to the chase. I was like, so listen, check it out. We went to, uh, you know, karate practice. We saw you. I want to explain the whole story to him. And he remembers karate, but he doesn't remember any of the, the UFO experience at all. He had no idea. And when I was explaining it to him, I could see that, you know, with what he was texting back is that this was not really, it wasn't something he was tremendously interested in. It wasn't something that he wanted to really talk about. It wasn't, it meant nothing. And that's just, you know, the difference uh, between uh, so many people. It's either it's a big deal or it's not so much. So that was the first experience uh, that I ever had, you know, with, uh, physically seeing a craft in my awake state you know fast forward a little bit as i grew up still struggling with this crippling fear of ets and ufos and at the same time this morbid uh, obsession we're all uh, i believe that we're all kind of notorious for i guess things that we do here in my hometown on shelter island there's probably like a thousand of us you know that live here so it's a very very small community uh, it's like eight miles by six miles wide and uh, length. So I can drive across the island and get anywhere within five minutes. So it's a weirdly shaped island. So if I were to go to the beach and then walk all the way around, that would take about an hour. So I'm just letting you know how it's a small town. It's a very insular community. 70% of the island is actually nature conservancy. So we're all kind of tight here in the in the woods where I live on this island. And what I'm saying is that you know we're notorious for certain things so people know me around here as that fitness guy because i'm a personal trainer and i work at the gym and i work at the school gym and i do personal training and that's what people see when they see me they see or i'm also known as the jeep guy the only guy around here who drives this massive lifted jeep grand cherokee so i'm either the jeep guy or the fitness guy and in my mind i'm the et guy <laughs> nobody knows it I'm kind of reluctant to share with, you know, other people because, and, and, we, and we've all heard it, like from many of the guests you know, that you have, 
And for many people around, there's a stigma that we have. Once we start talking about, you know, UFOs or ETs, it's like, it's, it's almost like taboo in a way. So, you know, growing up, having this crippling obsession, you know, in this fear, the idea for me now is kind of weird that saying, you know, are we alone in the universe? You know, that question and it's just so boring to me now because it's blatantly obvious that we are not alone in the universe and that we have, we're visited constantly and we will be for, you know, I, I believe until the end of our existence. I believe that we're constantly in this, you know, evolution and we're constantly being visited. Anyway, fast forward, you know, a little bit. And the next experience that I had was uh, I was with my girlfriend and my son, and it was Montauk Highway, which is County Road 39. It was a bright, beautiful, sunny day. Uh, it was a Sunday, and it was about two years ago, and it was in the summertime. So it was very, very sunny. It was in the afternoon, probably around 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock. And we were driving. We were on the highway. And my son was in the back seat. And my girlfriend at the time was in the passenger seat and I was driving her car. She had a brand new black Chevy Cruze. The car was very new and it still smelled like new car uh, on the inside. Uh, it was not a cloud in the sky. And we were listening to music as we were driving. And at this point, you know, the relationship with her and my life so far, she knew my obsession with ETs and she didn't really... I don't know. She was kind of supportive, but kind of not. She had this, it's almost like she thought it was unhealthy, I think. But she didn't, I mean, this isn't her words. This is just me assuming. It's sort of like she seemed that it was unhealthy that I had this obsession. Even though that I, I barely told her half of, <laughs> of what the obsession was like yeah, for me. So we're driving, we're on the highway, about relatively close, maybe like like 500 feet up into the sky there is this black disc and it's rotating but it's also flip-flopping if you can sort of understand what i'm saying so the top is flipping over the front as well as the spinning it's, it's maneuvering like really 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 wild almost like it's out of control um it was large it was, it was probably at the size of the car and it just popped right into my line of sight almost directly in front of us and then uh i slammed my chest up to the steering wheel so i could get a good look at it because it was relatively close and i quickly started to drive right underneath it and i said holy shit and i you know stuck my head right up to the windshield to try to look up because we were just passing under that. and my son in the back was like what and then my girlfriend in the passenger seat she yelled she says holy shit and i didn't realize that when we were approaching this thing, we were, I was also in the middle of passing a large truck. So when I put my head up to the windshield and slammed my chest into the steering wheel, I started to merge into the other lane, and I got really, really uncomfortably close to this other truck. She's in the passenger seat, so these big, monstrous wheels are just humming away, like right in her face. And she was furious. She didn't see, you know, the UFO. She just saw me being a weirdo once again, like, throwing myself around looking up into the sky she didn't want to hear it i was like did you see that did you see that oh my god oh my god i'm trying to look into the room there but i really have to focus on the road especially now that i almost you know touched this truck you know we're doing you know 70 you know on the highway and you know just touching a wheel from the semi i think would be an utter disaster especially with her brand new car that put like a serious like 
don't know, there was like some weird energy, you know, after that. I wasn't able to express my excitement, I don't think, for what I just saw. And my son didn't see it because he was sitting in the back and he was 12. And he had his face buried in his iPad, of course. So he's not looking at anything that's happening out of the windows. And I think about this. It was a very, very short sighting. And I think about this. Oh, my God. Almost every day. It's like it was just the craziest. It was very, very fast. It was so surreal. Just the motion and the way that this thing moves, the way that it was flipping and spinning at the same time. I didn't see any lights on it. It didn't seem to be uh, metallic or reflecting any of the sunlight, but it was black. I'm pretty well versed in what a drone sounds like and looks like and the size of them. So I can, you know, you know, write that off. It wasn't a drone. It was definitely this large desk that was about the size of a car. It was absolutely crazy. And, you know, <laughs> a little bit further down the road, you know, I was like I said, I was trying to see into the rear view mirror. And then I wanted to look into the, you know, look through the back window to see if I could see it again. And I couldn't see anything. It just popped in and then popped out. And that was the second uh, sighting that I ever had, which was, again, that was something I think about a lot. So one of the other things that I want to talk about is an experience that started to happen to me right around that same time. I shared with you, Nick, already that I've learned that some of us in the spiritual community would call this a spiritual awakening. But for me, it seemed more like a nervous breakdown. And I would like to share with you and our uh, listeners my experience. So like I said before, I'm a personal trainer and I exercise every day. I exercise for an hour a day every day, no matter what. And at this moment, at this point in my life, this was about three or four years ago, at this part in my life, this chapter in my life, I wasn't experiencing anything overly stressful any, than any other time in my life. But it was definitely one of the strangest um, things that started to happen to me. I finished exercising in my little private studio, and then I went to go walk into my apartment and shower up, just like I always did. And then I was going to go have dinner with my girlfriend. She lived right down the road from where I live. As I walked into my apartment, I started taking off my wet gym clothes. And in the middle of that, I forgot what I was doing. And I started to put my gym clothes back on. I put my gloves back on and my pants and my shorts and my shirt. And I stepped outside and walked back across the lawn and went over to my fitness studio again. I, had, I just didn't realize what it was that what I had done and what I was doing. And I opened the, the door to my studio and I looked inside and to my horror, I saw the dumbbells, the weights that I was using for the last movement that I was executing, sitting there right there on the floor and all the memory came back of, hey, I just exercised. Why did I get dressed again and come back out here? And it occurred to me that I totally lost track of time. I not only lost track of time, but I lost like a sense of self in a weird way. I lost, I, I was just totally in question of everything else that whole day at this point and then i started to question the whole week and then i started to question years of my life was i who i thought i was i, I just didn't know myself i didn't know anything and then i started to get very very confused and i got very 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 scared and i turned around and i go to walk back inside my apartment and i'm trying to like you know cool myself off a little bit like tone down like i'm getting really worked up here and i take my clothes off again and i turn the shower on i reach into the shower and i turn it on and you know, I, the water is splashing against the wall in the shower, and I definitely know that sound, and I'm looking forward to hopping into a shower after my workout. And then uh, I go into my bedroom for a second, 
to get my other clothes prepared for when I get out of the shower. And again, to my horror, I see my post-workout shake cup. So every time after I exercise, I always make sure I have my, you know, appropriate vitamins and protein, right? I already had my post-workout shake in my bedroom and I put it down and I didn't realize. So now I'm getting really, really scared. I have no idea like what time it is, where I am. I'm just losing it. I hop into the shower and I'm thinking, you know what? Like I felt like I was in the wrong place or like the wrong time. It was really weird. And I hop into the shower and I'm thinking that the cold water or the warm water or hot water is going to sort of help ground me to bring me back to where it is I was supposed to be. So I take a shower and then get dressed and then go to my girlfriend's like I always do and stick to my schedule. Anyway, that wasn't happening. I got into the shower and everything started to turn like black. Uh, I started losing my vision. I put my hand on my chest because I thought my heart was bursting out of my chest. I couldn't feel my heartbeat coming out of my chest, but my knees started to buckle. I was so scared and I was so confused. I didn't know who I was or how I got there or anywhere. Uh, I started to almost like collapse. So I put my right hand out to the wall of the shower to hold myself up on the little the little bar in there to hold towels or soap or something. And, you know, I turn the shower off and I stagger outside and I get on my phone. I'm dripping wet. I have my towel, you know, just draped around my shoulders. And I call my girlfriend and I say, and she picks up and I say, hey, uh, something is wrong. I don't know what it is. And she hangs up. Uh, she she hangs up and she can tell right away something was wrong and she got in her car and she came right over to my house. She drove right over. So I'm just like sitting there probably like a minute. You know, she lives very, very close. She probably flew really fast down the road. And she burst in and there I am standing in my you know living room and, in my towel. And she, the look on my face was unlike anything she's ever seen. She said, I looked so scared. Like I just saw a ghost. Uh, I was really happy to see her, but the feeling wasn't going away. She grabbed me and, you know, gave me some clothes to put on. I went back to her house and I sat on the couch. And, you know, she turned on her TV and she sat down next to me and she rubbed my arm for four hours. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, I, if I closed my eyes, I would feel like I was spinning or like I was falling or like I was going to die. Uh, when I was in that shower and right before the shower and after, I felt like this is my last breath. Like I'm absolutely going to die right here right now and i was so afraid i didn't know what was happening to me so a little while later you know it's time for bed it's getting late we both have work you know very early in the morning and she drives me home she asks if i'm gonna be okay i'm thinking yeah i'm gonna be all right i didn't know if i was gonna be all right i just said that i mean yeah i was really tired but i was also wired i, I didn't know what was happening i lay down into my bed and every time i closed my eyes i felt myself spinning i just felt like i was just losing myself it was the strangest thing i've never experienced anything like that in my entire life and then the next day i woke up and i still had some of that feeling so if i could rate you know this unease or this confusion on a scale of one to ten i woke up with like you know a six or a seven and then you know i, I got dressed and i started going to work and then i drove over to the ferry because i was doing a client off island and as i approached the ferry i started to feel it again i started to hyperventilate and i had to pull over and i couldn't get myself together enough to just drive i couldn't do anything i was just i was completely falling apart and i started to, my, i mean there was tears running down my face and then again i felt like i was going to die i felt like uh, here i am i'm going to have some type of heart attack in my car and the next thing there's going to be police and ambulances all around my vehicle here on the side of the road they're going to pull me out and i'm going to be going to the hospital and i'm going to die very 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 scary so this experience happens to me 
for days and days and days and days. And I didn't know how to get rid of it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was happening. The confusion that was setting in, there was the, some of the strangest uh, other aspects of this whole scenario. Back then I had Facebook and I would log into it and I would see, you know, people on my feed and I can see my messenger and my chats. And there were a few people that uh, I had conversations with and spoke with, you know, just about, you know, different things, whether it was, you know, Jeeps or um, fitness and stuff like that. And uh, when I went on to Messenger, all those people that I had conversations with, they didn't have conversations with them. I just thought that I did. It was kind of kind of scary. I was imagining, I think, communicating with these people. It was like, once again, I was not in the, the accurate or the appropriate reality or something. I know that I spoke with these people about any mundane stuff. And these messages just weren't there. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Introducing the High Strangeness Coffee Blend by Redacted Coffee Company, a medium roast of the Brazilian kind. This medium roast offers flavors of chocolate and vanilla combined with a distinct fruity taste and a unique sweet floral aroma. The experience of high strangeness doesn't end there, with a sweet butter aftertaste that doesn't fade as your coffee cools. This coffee regains its flavors all the way through your cup, ensuring it truly is good to the last drop. The veteran-funded, employee-owned Redacted Coffee Company and UFO Chronicles podcast have partnered together to bring you the best coffee on and off the planet. Get 20% off your first order now at redactedcoffee.com forward slash UFO. 
That's redactedcoffee.com forward slash UFO. Or follow the link below in this episode's description or click on the banner of my website. This podcast is fueled by coffee oozing high strangeness. So what are you waiting for? Wake up to the strange. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another experience that I had with this was exercising early in the morning because my girlfriend, my son, and I were going to head out. We were going to go to a trip. We were going to go on some, I don't know if it was a vacation, but like we were going to go somewhere pretty far away, maybe up to New York City or something. It takes like a couple hours to get there. So we left early in the morning and we hopped onto the ferry and the sun was coming up and we pull into the neighboring town, which is called Greenwood. And right off the ferry, there's a deli called Sterlington's. And we pulled into Sterlington's and I grabbed my son, you know, I opened the door for him out of the back seat and I'm explaining to him the types of things they have on the menu because he's very, very picky and I know what he likes to eat. My girlfriend, I'm explaining to her the things that I eat when I go to Stonington's because she's never been there. I'm explaining to her that, you know, we can get this healthy food and, you know, like omelet and grilled chicken and blah, blah, blah. And then we walk up the steps and I hold the door and then they walk in. And that's the, you know, memory I have. I can smell the deli. I can relive that moment again and again. And I asked her about it a little while later while I was having these um, experiences of not knowing what, where it was. And she's never been to Sterlington's. We never went anywhere early in the morning. I never had to go to my fitness studio and exercise before the ferries opened. But I know <laughs> that we did. So I'm torn. And when I would think about that, it would set me off. And I would have this freak out. And I wouldn't know what was happening. So fast forward a little while. I'm dealing with this now for a few months. And I was very reluctant to share it with people because here I am, this health guy, this fitness guy. And I think what was happening to me, in, in my mind, my eyes, it was a serious ailment. And it was like, I'm not healthy. I have a problem. I have a sickness. And I was hoping that it was. So I went to, I, I had blood work done and I went to a series of doctors and did CAT scans and all types of stuff to see what it was. And I was, sure, I was certain that I had some type of like a neurological disorder. Yes, it was scary, but at least it could have been treatable. I went through the whole gamut of trying to find out what it was that was happening. Maybe I thought it was possibly something with my diet. Maybe it was my blood sugar was spiking or falling. Maybe I was 
or hypoglycemic, or maybe it was like a pre precursor to diabetes. I didn't know what it was, but I was definitely going into some sort of shock. And I was definitely having these breakdowns multiple times a day for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And each time this would happen, I was certain that it was my last breath. It was very, very, very scary. I wouldn't wish that uh, on anybody. So one of the times it was happening, I was at work, and sure enough, that feeling started setting in just out of nowhere. I just started to get afraid, and I started to get confused. I was driving home from visiting a client. The sun was setting in the sky, and just like that, I wasn't sure if I was going to meet a client or if I was driving home. I didn't know what time it was. I looked at the clock, and it didn't feel right. I felt like time was just not moving appropriate direction that I was so used to my entire life. I've never experienced anything like this. The few people that I did share this with, like I said, I was reluctant to share it with anybody. I would find a lot of comfort in just sharing what was happening to me, even though it was a small amount of people. It was like two people I shared this with while it was happening. And uh, I went on to YouTube and I would look for videos of similar things. And what I learned is that what was happening was called a panic attack. It was like an anxiety type of disorder. And yeah, that was kind of scary. But at the same time, I wished that it was something I could treat because all the information on panic attacks, there's nothing you can really do. So I was on YouTube, I was driving home, I was confused. And there was this anxiety relief meditation. And I had never done any meditation before. I had no idea what that was. <sighs> or I knew what it was, but I'd never done it. You know, so I pulled over and I popped YouTube open and I started listening to what the meditation said and I did all the stuff, you know, sat there in my seat and I, I, you know, put my hands in prayer and I closed my eyes and I took 10 deep breaths in through my nose and out through my mouth and I focused on what it was that they were saying and it was like a 10 minute long meditation. And when I woke up, I was fine. The panic was gone and I was, I was just okay, okay to drive. And I was like, wow, like that really, really helped. So fast forward a little bit more, meditating every day. It's becoming my spiritual practice that I need, that I, I have to every day, or else I would have this uh, freak out. I thought um, I felt like I wasn't sure where I would have these panic attacks or these anxiety attacks, but I was afraid to go to places during my day where I started to feel them before. So I would be afraid to go to a certain aisle in the grocery store. I would be afraid to go to the gym at a certain time because that's where I almost felt it happening maybe a couple days before. And I would fall into these routines. I would fall into this pattern that I had to follow. This is, it was just totally sick. And I wasn't sharing this with anybody, but I was trapped in this like fear of that if I stepped outside of my pattern or my schedule that I would die. So the meditations that I would do would really, really help a lot. One particular day, I recognized that I've been panic attack free or anxiety free for months and I didn't even recognize it. I felt so good and I felt like it was, it was behind me, but I still continued to meditate. I was sitting on the grass and I was doing my daily meditation. You know, I was laying down in the sun and I was taking my breaths and I had my eyes closed and I was doing all the appropriate stuff. And then when I opened my eyes, Everything kind of changed. As I grew, I knew that plants and trees were alive, but I never felt it like they were alive. When I opened my eyes that day after that meditation, I could feel the trees. I can feel all of nature all around me. Even though I was outside alone on the, on the grass, I felt like I was surrounded by people. So if you're sitting in your room or you're sitting somewhere at your house and you have your back to the door and somebody comes in, 
and they don't say anything and they step very, very softly and they're totally silent. You can still feel their energy. You can pick up on that energy signature that they have. Well, to me, when I opened my eyes after that meditation, all the trees were the same. They felt like people. Some were happy, some were sad. Some were very, very, very powerful and very, very, very strong. And I thought, oh my God, am I having a panic attack? At that moment, a bee flew right in front of my face. And he was hopping from dandelion to dandelion. And in that moment, I felt so connected to that bee. I was another expression of that bee. I felt like we had the same mind. And I was just sharing this reality with that bee. A couple of birds flew over. Oh, that was crazy. I looked at the birds and then suddenly I felt like I was the birds flying through the trees that were right in front of me. At this moment, a big gust of wind came by and it blew all the blades of grass like a wave. And they started right behind me. I could see them in my peripheral and they shot out across the big grassy lawn that I was sitting on. At that moment, I realized everything was like the lawn. Every blade of grass is, you know, seemingly separate, but at the same time connected on such an intimate level. I started to have tears come down my eyes. And that was, for me, I think, the breaking point of the spiritual awakening, you know, that I was having. I did some research and I tried to find out, you know, why, what was this that was happening to me? And, you know, and really coming to the understanding from what I totally believe is that, you know, we're all on this spiritual path. You know, we're all having this human experience and we're all destined for some type of, you know, evolution. And I think that more and more people are going to be waking up to the idea that this illusion of separation is simply that. It's just an illusion of separation and we're all very, very connected. Meditation has been like a daily practice, you know, of mine and I was continuing doing it each day. I felt like I really needed to because without it, I wouldn't feel, you know, as grounded, almost like I was going to float away <laughs> or something. So I distinctly remember one particular scenario where I'm staring out the window from my little living room in the apartment that I rented. And across the yard was the uh, forest or a little patch of woods. And, you know, so I'm staring out and I see this little pile of leaves and some rocks underneath this tree. And from the angle that I was staring at, it looked to me exactly like an alien face. So it looked like a gray right? And I knew it was, you know, leaves, but I was kind of fixated on it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It like made the shape of the, you know, two large eyes and a tiny little nose and a little mouth. And that like little familiar feeling, you know, was there of, ooh, you know, grays, I'm afraid <laughs> type of thing. And I'm staring at it and I put my face up closer to the window and I'm just, you know, peering out at this, you know, formation of leaves and, and rocks. And then as I look further, it moves. And what happened here is it wasn't leaves and rocks. It was a cat. It was the neighbor's cat sitting underneath this tree. And I was actually staring at the back of this cat. And right when that happened, this idea came or this like notion or this, it almost felt like a memory where when I was a young kid, I kept on talking about seeing the cats. And I realized in that moment, it wasn't cats that I was seeing. I believe that I was being visited by ETs as a very, very young child. And that was just the way that my 
my brain or my mind could interpret what it was that I was seeing because, you know, we're never taught about having that type of experience. So it was totally, <laughs> no pun intended, alien to me. And that's just the representation that I got. And that's how I made sense of it. So that's what I kept on telling my stepdad and my mom that I was seeing cats. So that was kind of a big thing for me to have that realization. And I, when I thought of that, like I had this feeling in my chest, like it was the strongest, most powerful like thing. Like it was absolute truth. Totally amazing. And to put it into perspective, you know, I'm just, you know, sitting in my living or standing in my living room, you know, passing by. And then all of a sudden I had this realization and it's like in that brief moment, you know, time stopped and it was like, wow, like, what is this, you know, life <laughs> that we're living in and the uh, things that happen to us and the sense that we make of it. So, you know, moving forward a little bit more, meditation is still, you know, a big part of my life. And another experience that I had, um, I was outside and I was doing my, you know, daily meditation where I would focus on my breath. And uh, it was actually a transcendental meditation is what I was focusing on at this moment. I got to a point where I could literally feel like my consciousness was almost like separating from my body where... I would lose sense of self and sense of time the deeper and deeper I got into this meditative state. Um, so as I'm lying down, I was able to get to a point where it felt like I would lose the feeling in my feet and then my legs and then my hips and my torso. And all that was left was just my head. And it would feel like my feet would start to sink down. So imagine laying down, you know, in a lying down position, you know, horizontal to the ground, and then your feet start swinging down into the ground all the way down until you're at an angle and then in a standing position. So my head is still in the same spot on the grass, but it felt like I was standing. And when that started to happen at first, it would sort of you know, scare me a little bit and I would come out of my meditation and I would be brought back to, I guess, <laughs> brought back to reality. But, um, after a little bit of doing this a couple of times, I wanted to see how far I can go. And I learned to not, you know, be afraid of it, but just to be you know, a little excited about it and see, you know, what happens here. So I'm outside, I'm doing this meditation, I'm doing my breaths and I'm starting to lose sense of everything. And I'm really getting deep in the meditation. And then my feet feel like they're starting to sink. And then all of a sudden, I can't recall if it was like, you know, it feels like a memory. It feels like a dream. It feels like a daydream. It, it feels like so many things compiled into one, but the experience was so real. So what happens is I open my eyes and I'm in, in a sitting position and I'm sort of hunched over and right in front of my face, someone is holding what looks to be like some type of iPad. And I'm staring at it and I'm talking and I'm talking to someone who is sitting at my left. And I'm, what I get out of it is I'm speaking to a young girl. And in this moment, while I'm speaking, I think to myself how honored I am to be able to be in this position where I'm speaking to somebody about what is happening in this moment. And it must be because I experience this all the time. And now I am like a veteran to this 
experience and now I'm guiding someone else. So what's happening here is as I look at what seems to be this iPad in front of me, I can see that there's an, a hand and an arm holding this iPad. And as I look up, it's this, it's a gray, but very tall and tan. And it's holding this iPad for me to see. And what's on it, it looks like blueprints to what seem to be like a house or a ridge structure of a roof. And what I'm explaining to this young girl is how her and I were transported through the roof and onto this craft where we are now. And I'm explaining to her that there's nothing to be afraid of. And it's simply that we matched the vibration of the roof and floor joists and the rafters and we floated right through them and now we're here and as i'm saying this you know i look you know up and i see this this alien gray who is tan and the fear part is kind of gone and i'm really really excited and i have a lot and i really feel like this is a an honorable experience you know to be had and i felt like it was an experience that I'm used to. It's familiar. And I've been in the presence of this gray. The feeling I get is that it was a male. It had like a, a male presence. And I wanted to ask what its name was because I felt like it was a part. I felt like it was something I've experienced many times in the past. Except now the only difference is that I'm talking to another person. I have this girl. And, uh, Right as I think to ask this question, I'm shot back into my body and all of a sudden I'm outside on the grass again in this meditation. And I'm like, I'm like sweating and I'm shaking and I'm like, what is going on here? And the last thing that I remember right when I open my eyes is this voice. It sounded a little bit like my voice, but a little bit different. And of course it was coming from, you know, within my own, you know, mind here. And it just said the word guardian. And I thought, wow, is that this being's name? Guardian. That was one of the most intense experiences that I think I've ever had. And I, I haven't really talked about it too much to many people, um, mostly because of that, you know, that stigma that we have when we, about ET contact or even, you know, seeing UFOs. I mean, I think that the stigma is still there, even though it's lightening up quite a bit. So after, you know, having this experience and doing meditation, I was, you know, hungry for that again. I wanted to do it more and more. And I felt this like connection between me and this, this being guardian and to tell you the truth it was kind of wild because the fear aspect wasn't there now i mean i mean just before that like, like maybe weeks before you know at this point kind of forgot how old i was at this point maybe i'm like 34 or something watching tv and i'm learning about astral projection and it's like a youtube video <laughs> it's late at night and i'm sitting on my bed and in the video they show a picture of an alien gray and just the picture of it made me kind of freak out again just like when i was younger and i would want to watch those videos uh those sightings and stuff like that where it's like all of a sudden i couldn't breathe and i started reaching for the remote and i started freaking out i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god get it away get it away get it away and then you know the the scene changed the youtube show and then the feeling kind of went away. It was like lifted. And after, you know, watching that, what I was left with was like, wow, like, why am I having, this is like such an impactful thing. Like here I am. I'm like, you know, a grown man in the comfort of my own house, watching this video and the mere image of an ET just like sends my body into shock. 
<laughs> it's like the craziest. And, and I know that there's other people that might be able to relate to, you know, similar stuff. So after this, you know, meditation and speaking with Gordian, uh, the idea that I wasn't afraid anymore was 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 huge for me. Continuing with meditation and, you know, learning about astral projection and all of this stuff and lucid dreaming were like big topics of interest for me. Um, I wanted to ask more and more questions. And as I did, I was able to kind of get, you know, some like answers from this, this being, I guess, and like the form of like my own thoughts. So it, it wasn't really like I'm being told what to do now. I'll share with you some of the things that I would ask now. Forgive me if I sound like too preachy, you know, but I, I mean, I'm not trying to tell anybody, you know, how things are, or what to believe or whatnot. This is just my, you know, experience. When I would speak with Guardian in this meditative state, which I was able to get into more and more frequently and, and easier as time progressed. You know, we all have these questions, you know, about ourselves, you know, who are we and where do we come from and what is our purpose and stuff like that. And, and we, we often ask these questions, but then we don't really investigate. These are some things that I wanted to ask, you know, Guardian. And he has this like sense of humor almost. Now, I don't know if that's because it's also a representation of my own, you know, consciousness or that's how he is. I, I have no idea. But um, <laughs> so I'm in meditation again and I'm in this presence. I feel his presence. I don't see him this time. And I ask, where are we from? You know, thinking like, are humans from some distant star and we're brought to Earth? And he simply said in this funny way, he just says, Earth. You know, where are we from? Earth. Like, no, duh. And it's like, huh, that was pretty interesting. I wanted to ask him what the purpose was for existence. Like, why are we here on Earth? And what he said was that there are many different reasons or many different purposes for someone to be here as there are people. He said that each person has a unique path or unique purpose. So there's many different purposes. However, there's a common theme that a lot of us share in our human experience is that it's just self-exploration and discovery to merely see what it's like to be in this physical reality. I also wanted to ask him, you know, why are ETs so scary to me? Why are abduction sequences so frightening for so many people? And he said that, you know, humans aren't really afraid of ETs. He said I'm not afraid of aliens. I'm afraid of myself. I didn't know what he meant, but what he said was, I'm afraid of losing control. He said the idea of a gray coming into your bedroom at night when you're, you know, sleeping and taking you out of your house and bringing you through the roof or out a sliding glass window onto a craft, you're powerless. You're vulnerable. And that is what we're actually afraid of. And it's because he said that us humans, uh, we as humans, we are extraordinarily powerful, but we forget that we are. And it's the idea that what we're afraid of is losing the control. I then asked him about alien abductions, and he told me that, you know, humanity is evolving, is constantly growing, constantly shifting, and so is the consciousness of the planet. We are reaching higher elevated states, you know, of consciousness. And he said that ETs are the same, you know, everything in the universe and all the universes are evolving. So he told me that alien abductions don't really happen anymore like they used to. And I thought that was kind of neat. Um, 
he said around what we would call, you know, the 80s, the 1980s is when they started to shift and subside from, you know, taking people out of their houses and stuff. And, and what they were essentially doing is he said they were sort of monitoring, monitoring human frequency through their emotions and just seeing what we were like and how we would react, you know, to their presence. He said that there's all these different types of reasons why uh, ETs are interested in humans. Uh, but he said, but they have evolved as well. And now they simply don't have to go into people's houses and take them through the roof anymore. They can essentially do their business and do what they need to do without the restrictions of what we would call time. So they can come into our space and do what they need to do. And instead of, you know, maybe you've heard of like alien implants or strange scars and stuff like this, like that is kind of a thing of the past as well, where what they would do now is simply manipulate or tweak you know, the DNA in an individual. And this can be done seamlessly and integrated into a millionth of a nanosecond. And for them, it could be as much time as they need. But time for them as it passes and time for us as it passes is, is completely different now. So the alien abduction uh, experience has changed so much where people are visited, people are having these encounters, but it literally lasts the smallest moment and we wouldn't really remember it. I asked him about sleep paralysis and why that was so scary. Uh, what he said to me is that when we incarnate into our human body, we are separated from spirit, our spiritual self, our full core self. He said that uh, our belongings and our memories and our jobs and our clothes and all the things that we think that are us, they're not. They're just small fractions of us here in this physical reality and the totality of us is this much larger entity or this much larger aspect of consciousness and he said that uh in order to flow and navigate through a third dimensional reality we need to have this illusion of continuity like one moment moving on to the next to the next to the next to the next he said outside of our physical reality in our spirit form time does not really exist but what does is our experience of time he said how this happens is we're shifting through billions of parallel realities a second and that's how we get the illusion of time so think of a flip book the flip book exists as a whole all the parts are already there. All the pages are already there. But as you flip through the page quicker and quicker and quicker, or flip through the pages, the images on the pages seem to move and they give motion. That is essentially how we describe what time would be like. So when we're sleeping, we are not all in our physical form. There's a larger aspect of us that is in spiritual form, shifting through these billions of multiple realities a second. And when we come back into a physical reality, we have to make sure that we're going into the right reality. So the idea of sleep paralysis being stuck to the bed, you know, our eyes are open and we're, we can barely breathe. We try to make a noise. We're freaking out because we have no control. Sometimes we have this presence of another uh, being inside the, the bedroom or something like that. And I've had this experience twice. It was insanely scary. Uh, what he told me was that you don't have to be afraid of it and think of it more along the lines of like a seatbelt. He said, think of it as when you're waking up, you're reintegrating back into the reality that you need to be in. So sleep paralysis, is actually a good thing. Now enjoy it and let it happen. Sort of think of the idea of being secured and strapped in and just know and have faith that you're going to end up in the right place. Now, <laughs> when he told me this, I have experienced sleep paralysis one more time. 
And by having the idea of not fighting it, it was able to come and go really quickly. And it was a, a, a seamless, easy, you know, event. And I was very grateful to, uh, to have it and have that outlook. So maybe for some others that are experiencing sleep paralysis, maybe if you hear this, maybe that's something you can try to remember. It's not anything to really be afraid of and you don't necessarily have to fight it, but be grateful for it. As you can see, the stuff that I was interested in at this time was really leading me down to a path of like spirituality. I like chat forums and I had Facebook at this time and there's this big spiritual community and the hot topic was the law of attraction. You know, that movie The Secret came out and, you know, manifesting your destiny or manifesting abundance was this like hot topic for so many people in the spiritual community. So, of course, you know, here I go. I'm going to do my meditation. I'm going to ask Guardian and see what he has to say about that. So I ask, I do the whole thing, the, the whole meditation thing. And then I experience feeling this presence and I learn to ask, you know, what is the law of attraction? And he said, the idea of the law of attraction isn't quite what we're being told. He said, you don't necessarily attract things to you. He said that everything already exists and it's a matter of matching the vibration of that thing that you want to experience, whether it's, you know, abundance or a scenario or going to a place or acquiring some physical thing. And the way to do that is with your emotions. So we said, if you can emotionally attach or emotionally experience what that would feel like, the universe and physical reality outside of that will reflect that exact thing back to you. So we said, it's not about wishing for the winning lottery ticket or wishing for a bunch of money or wishing somebody that you care about gets better if they're sick. It's sort of about transmitting that vibration and being grateful for those types of things in advance, which would essentially broadcast consciousness state that you want to experience. So it's, again, the law of attraction isn't about bringing things to you. It's about matching the frequency of the things that are already there, that already exist. Uh, when he said about multiple billions of timelines and alternate realities, think of it, everything that you can think of, everything that you can imagine already exists somewhere, some way, somehow. And it's a matter of you experiencing it depending on what you're focused on. So the reason why we experience this life, our jobs and our, our vehicles and our families and our friends and all the stuff is because we are so focused on that physical aspect of it, we can't perceive the other realities that are that are happening around. So it's until we make the shift within our mind is when we'll make is when we'll experience the, the so-called shift in our immediate uh, reality. I asked him why the grays look like the way that they do and are there other types of you know beings now of course being interested in the ufo topic and the alien topic and stuff i'm you know kind of aware you know that we have different ideas of you know mantis beings or uh, insect-like beings or the grays the tall whites the nordics there's these amphibious types of beings there's the the lyrian type of beings who represent felines he said that a lot of different civilizations use this body or use this avatar, the gray, to navigate through our third dimensional reality because it's the most versatile. And he said a lot of beings, what their actual representation would be, would actually be like a ball of light. He said that is essentially his true form, but he said that's how he exists primarily as a ball of light. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I wanted to ask him about, you know, again, about the fear of having, you know, ET contact and why it impacted me so much. And 
of course, like I said before, like I don't ever remember having an ET experience fully awake. Like all these experiences of speaking with him, speaking with Guardian was like in a meditative state. So I asked, I was like, is there some type of significance? Like, have I really been abducted? You know, were greys visiting me as a young child? And I thought that they were cats. And he funnily said, the fact that you asked that, what do you think? I was like, oh my God. So at that time, when he said that, I started to laugh and that woke me up and threw me out of the meditation. And uh, I came, you know, to, I was back in my body and I was like smiling so much. It like hurt. It hurt my face. It was like so funny. You know, so again, you know, I asked him about emotions and like, do other beings have emotions? I think, you know, we learn about the greys, you know, abducting people back in the 80s and they're emotionally unavailable. You know, they don't experience fear and he said that um, certain civilizations do and certain civilizations don't as much. You know, everything is kind of different. He told me that the reason why we humans have these emotions is that before we incarnated into Earth or onto Earth, we have these emotions that are built in so we can use them to navigate through the third dimensional Earth experience. Now, I was like, what the heck is he talking about? And what he said is that, you know, when something happens to us and we are upset, or happy or sad, those external things don't necessarily cause us to feel that way. He said, all the feelings and emotions we have, we already contain. We just use external experiences to validate the beliefs and the emotions that we already have. And that was pretty wild. So what I really got out of that was, you know, about taking responsibility for our own emotions and really understanding that we are the ones who essentially can control how we feel. And even if we feel like we don't control how we feel, that's just not the truth. We're controlling that as well. He said, when we're triggered, you know, when something really bothers us, it's because something we believe already inside of ourselves and we're using that outside thing as an excuse to bring up that emotion because it's something that needs to be looked at now to backtrack again a little bit we have this built in place for the self-discovery and exploration which goes back to the question i asked him about what is the purpose of life what's our purpose for being here by really looking at our emotions and taking responsibility for emotions and, and learning from them and not shutting them out is how we grow you know spiritually and mentally and you know physically as well those experiences you know kind of changed a lot for me and again like i don't tell many people about this stuff i'm still very very excited about it i mean i'm listening to so many different uh, podcasts especially yours nick i mean this one is absolutely fantastic, like I said before, but my son actually expressed a little bit of an interest to it as well, and that was kind of surprising. And he reminded me a lot of me. He told me a story that happened to him a little bit ago, and I was so interested in it, almost more than he was. I wanted him to tell me more and tell me more. But he said that uh, he woke up uh, from sleep, and it was late, late at night, and he wanted to go to the kitchen and get a glass of milk. And when he was telling me this, I could see that he was kind of distraught, like he was really nervous. Now, he had no idea about any of my ET contact or seeing UFOs. Him and I don't discuss anything like that, just because I didn't think he would be interested in, and I didn't want to freak him out. So he told me that he was walking to the kitchen to get a glass of milk and the window at the sink overlooking the yard, as he passed by, he turned his head and saw out the window this glowing ball. He said it was white 
and also orange is how he described it. He said it was really crazy to him because it seemed like it was glowing, but it wasn't illuminating anything around it. So what really stood out to him, and he said he got a really strange feeling about it. So he was walking over to the kitchen and he got so freaked out by this thing. He went to the fridge and then he opened the fridge. And then when he turned his head to look back at the window again, this orange whitish ball had moved closer to the window. And he quickly, you know, shut the fridge, walked quickly back across the kitchen and went back to bed is what he told me. And I was like prying and like pushing. I was like, what would happen next? Tell me more. You know, what else did this ball do? Did it get closer to the window? Did it come inside? How did you feel? And he was like, he told me what he did. And then he just shut down. He wouldn't speak of it anymore. So I'm curious. And it reminded me so much of when I was a little kid and I was asking, you know, my stepdad to tell me more about the cats. And I was asking my mom to tell me more about her experience of the turnpike. I feel like what you do, Nick, is such a great thing because it really gets people to you know, express and talk about their stuff, their experiences. Since we spoke last, I have been uh, sort of interested in becoming a, an investigator, a MUFON investigator. There's a lot of requirements for that. Uh, so far, one of the, a couple of the things that I'm learning is about um, navigation patterns for uh, flights around my area on the east end of Long Island and how a lot of the airports and flight patterns are structured to become well um, aware of how things are like that. Uh, soil sampling is another aspect that I need to, is another requirement that I need. There's a couple of different things. And from, you know, what I gather from listening to a lot of other investigators from MUFON, there's two types of people. There are the nuts and bolts people, and then there are the consciousness people. Now I say, I would say that I would subscribe to the latter, you know, after my experiences, you know, with deep meditation and guardian and relieving myself of these, you know, anxiety things, the idea that, you know, ET contact is a part of our lives of so many people's lives, whether we remember it or not, you know, is so clear to me. And honestly, this is, this might sound kind of weird, but the question, are we alone in the universe is so boring to me. Like, I think that we are so beyond that question. But one of the things that I would like to close with, I know we're kind of going over our time here, um, in regard to the consciousness aspect of it is, you know, when it comes to ETs and extraterrestrial life, we often look to the sky when we look to the stars and we get our telescopes and we investigate the planets and constellations. But I think there's a larger part of it. And I think instead of looking into the sky, we look into ourselves. We look into our hearts. And that's where a lot of the answers are already. Just like Guardian told me, you know, about our emotions. Everything is w within us already and we contain it all. So I guess, you know, with closing, thanks again for letting me, you know, share this experience. And for, you know, any of our listeners, if there's any message that you can gather from what I've said, I think the idea of fear, you don't really have to be afraid of anything. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When I grew up, there were so many, like I started saying in the beginning, there were so many, so many flags that um, were there to indicate somebody was going through this type of experience. And I had my share of art as well. I had a notebook that I would just draw and doodle in. I wasn't really interested in school, but I would doodle during class and I would draw grades. I just draw I just draw the heads. I would just draw alien heads on pages and pages and pages and pages. And I came across one of these notebooks years and years later. Uh, after high school when I finished, I opened it up and I was like, this is insane. Like it didn't seem like insane at the time. It was just the only it's like what else am I gonna draw? I don't know. That's all I'm interested in. Like, whatever. You know, but if I were to, you know, see my son, if he had a notebook that was cover to cover in grays, come on, that's like it's something that needs to be talked about. It's a thing. 
I think that could be very important. I guess I really think that's brunt of it that I would like to convey and say. It's just the idea that if we're having experiences with um, whether it's panic attacks or anxiety or we're having these bouts with sleep paralysis, you know, there really isn't the only thing to really be afraid of is ourselves or the only thing really to be or I, I guess there's really nothing to be afraid of. It's just how we look at it, how we view it. It's just our perspective. And we just, we give certain things, definitions, something to be afraid of or not. And that's completely in our control. And I think, you know, my experiences with ETs has just led me closer and closer to the understanding that you know, everything is really more or less our choice or more or less our perspective. And we can choose our perspective. And that's one of the things that I always say when we change our mind, you know, we change our life. Sort of like the the idea of the optimist and the pessimist. You know, the glass is at the halfway mark and one person sees it half full and one person sees it half empty. But they're seeing the same exact thing. They feel so completely different about it. And the reason why they feel different about it is because of what they believe. One is totally trusting and believing in lack, like there's not enough. And the other is totally trusting and believing like there is abundance. But that glass has no built-in definition. We give definition to everything. So again, what I would convey is if we're experiencing something really challenging or tough in our lives. We need to look at our definitions and how we express um, those challenging situations. Is it something that we can learn from? Is it something that... I don't prefer that could be very much leading me closer to something that I do prefer. And I think that, you know, the understandings that I'm able to come to now, like I totally believe that ETs are to blame. And I think that uh, it's, a part, it's been a part of my life, whether I remember it or not. And I believe that ET experiences are a part of many, many people's lives, whether they experience or not. It's not really a matter if we're alone in the universe or not. It's a matter of are you in touch with yourself or not and, and just by saying that and just by having the self-awareness like if i didn't go through those experiences with uh, those panic attacks or uh, the, this anxiety disorder and uh i wouldn't be where i am today good job man cool well thank you so much for listening again i'm really glad that you're able to put this together for uh, people to express uh themselves and their experiences and hopes that others can hear it and learn and integrate you know the uh the information that's what it's all about because of course you you know you can't just talk to people about this kind of thing yeah absolutely and, and like there's a lot of times where it's like i feel like i would love to i would love to just express to somebody like what i go through and what i think about you know but i refrain from it because the people and i can tell just by picking up on subtle energy like like being a fitness instructor and personal trainer like tapping into what someone is feeling at the moment is a, a, like picking up on social cues well picking up on certain body language and facial expressions and movements and stuff like that if i even start talking about paranormal or et contact the energy just shifts and it's like there's a little word that goes off for me it's like okay this isn't what i need to be talking about with this person right now and it's like every single person yeah, so I'm really glad they're able to come onto the show and express that uh, to you. It is a shame, you know, you can't directly 
talk to people about that kind of thing some you can some people but generally you need to, to yeah. pick, pick up on the fact that you know there is something that they, they may be interested in or they might have something to share themselves but generally right. you know it's a diff- it is difficult to approach people i know i've experienced it in the past many times right yeah so for example like the the radical change and, and radical shift that you know i experienced the many hats that you know we wear during our daily life you know some of us have many many different jobs and many different types of friends and different personalities and we uh, personalities in our lives and we sort of change as we go through you know our daily life and if someone were to hear what i just said to you tonight you know is usually what i'm talking about is doing push-ups in the living room you know so it's, it's it's very very different and i think that uh i'm just glad that i'm able to uh to speak about it and hopefully you know there's a listener who can hear you know what i'm saying and possibly might be going through a similar thing and then come to the understanding that it's not something that they need to be afraid of and i think for my story fear was just a huge huge part of it. it was a huge motivator for me to start this uh spiritual path like i said before the idea of you know spiritual awakening to me represents more or less like a, a breakdown of everything i thought to be true uh, in reality and there's something i've heard some of your guests say and it rings true for me. The sentence, um, I thought I was losing my mind. Yeah, and that was something that you know, was very, very, very scary to me. So if there's anybody else that's experiencing that, then it's like, you're not losing your mind. You're evolving. You're changing. Uh, each day, you know, we are. You know, when I receive emails, it is very common that people would put that in the subject title. Yeah. You're going to think I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like this, uh, like I said before, you know, it's a stigma that we have where we're so, so accustomed to harboring these built in labels that when we speak about this stuff or have these types of experiences, then we take on that same label as being a kook. One of the things that I learned, and I'm not sure if I was really clear with when I shared it um, a little bit before, is the dynamics of how we're experiencing continuity of change and what i meant by that was to say was when it came to sleep paralysis what was related to me was the idea that we are shifting through billions and billions of parallel realities a moment so for our viewers like if i'm just say that like i don't know if you're able to like grasp what i'm saying so picture this let's say you're picturing me uh, you're filming me with a camcorder walking towards you across the street, but I'm taking tiny, tiny little steps and I'm walking very, very, very slowly. I'm barely moving, but I'm walking towards you. And let's say you film me doing this for eight hours. All the people behind me would be walking at their regular pace and cars would be going by the street and I would just be slowly walking towards you. So now you have that footage. And if you speed it up, I start to walk a little bit quicker and the people behind me that were walking start to speed up a little bit faster and faster and now I speed it up all the way so now I'm walking at a normal speed all the people behind me disappeared all the cars that were driving back and forth disappeared kind of like when you turn on a fan with fan blades and it's going very very quickly you can barely make out the fan blades anymore you know they're, they're still spinning they're still there they didn't disappear you know but they're still there and what was told to me is that there are many many things happening in our physical reality just like that and some other people have been talking about and they said this too uh, guests that you've had they talk about frequency and for or just like to say you know for our listeners the idea of frequency is that you know every everything is energy whether it's the phone it's, it, it's your phone or your computer that you're listening to this from or your car or the trees or the air you're breathing or your house 
or your thoughts. They're all energy and they're vibrating at a different frequency. So think of the vibration as the moving fan blades that I just talked about before, spinning faster and faster and faster. You can barely see them anymore. When I was having this experience talking to this large, tall gray who, who said his name was Guardian, what I was explaining to that young girl to my left was how we were able to float through her roof because we matched the frequency of the roof and we passed right through it. And I was explaining to her that our bodies and all the cells in them are the same energy as the cells that make up the trees and the air and the oceans and the sky and our thoughts. And the illusion of separation is just an illusion. And the idea of passing through billions of parallel realities, try to picture you have a large coffee table and you take a photograph of this moment and then a photograph of this moment and this moment and this moment, right? So let's say you have infinite photographs or let's just say, let's put a cap on it because that's how we think. Let's say you have a billion photographs and you lay them all out side by side covering this massive now coffee table. Each photograph, each second is an alternate reality, alternate dimension. One of the things that people say, you know, the idea of an alternate dimension, we think that it's a place that you go between here and the stars, but a dimension is really a state of consciousness. So each of those photographs that you just put on your imaginary table there, each one of them is an alternate dimension from, mo from moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. And our soul, our core self, our core indestructible self is focused on one dimension at a moment and then the next and the next and the next so we are shifting through these multiple parallel dimensions billions of times a second and what i was saying about sleep paralysis is that when we're in a dream state we have to make sure that we're coming back to the appropriate reality so sometimes we might be locked into this well, like a roller coaster because if you weren't strapped in you might be flung out and shot over to some other reality where it didn't make sense and then you go totally insane. Those are just one, some of the things that I, was, I would like to convey to make it sort of simpler for some people to maybe integrate the information that I was trying to, uh, I guess, you know, convey you know, here tonight. I think sometimes I'm like a little nervous. I'm not on very many podcasts and stuff. So I just want to really do my best to articulate the best way that I can and sort of present like a visual you know diagram because you know we hear people say certain things that we don't quite understand but we nod our head and we go yeah okay okay so i hope that kind of helps that's perfect trent <laughs> you know it is sometimes different to relay exactly what's really going on with you to other people you know we can yeah. kind of float it around in our heads no problem but trying to relay it it's a different story especially when yeah. it turned into words so, yeah, yeah 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 and it, you know how do we even discuss stuff like that? Like there really aren't any, you know, we don't learn about this stuff in school. Uh, the information, you know, that we share with one another, sometimes it just goes right over our heads and it takes a while for us to really integrate. So I don't know, again, I just want to do my best and try to be thorough with what I'm trying to explain. <laughs> but again, too, like if I were to talk to some, like let's say a client of mine, you know, a young guy who's interested in, you know, burning fat and gaining muscle and he the relationships I have with the people that I train, you know, we become friends, you know, we become friends on a personal level. Like 
I know about them, you know, marriages and their kids and their jobs and their thoughts and their worries and their doubts and their fears. But for some strange reason, I do not know anybody who would be open to discussing the idea of shifting through billions of parallel realities or the idea of going into a deep meditation and having a conversation with Gray. Wow. You know? Plenty out there. <laughs> there is, trust me, yeah. there's plenty out there. And you never know, you might meet someone else in um, Shelter Island now that they know you as the Jeep guy. <laughs> yeah, the fitness guy, the Jeep the guy. The fitness guy. But to me, again, to me, I'm the, I'm the ET guy or the spiritual guy. I don't know. I think as much as, like I said before, like I'm dedicated to my fitness program. and Everything that I eat is, you know, cataloged and it's very, very important to me. But my spiritual practice is also very, very important. You know, and, and one of the other things that I, I was reluctant to share, I didn't want to get too preachy. Once I had those experiences with these, you know, panic attacks or whatever you would want to call them, I came to understand and I came to believe that what was happening to me was ultimately a download. And I know that people have said that here on the podcast and I know other people have heard that. But what was happening, I believe, is that I was evolving in a way and it was uncomfortable and it broke down the the walls that made up what I considered to be reality. And it was very, very scary. But I believe that I had to go through whatever it was that I was going through so that I would be where I am now so I can get to where I am going. The idea of, you know, spiritual practice and stuff and how everything has changed, you know, as my vibration changed, as more and more meditation that I did, it was almost like my, I don't, I don't want to say like I'm like higher in frequency because, you know, I, I just believe like, I, I feel like I'm, I've been getting lighter when I was doing these meditations each day. I got to the point where I felt so light, where I felt like I was just going to float away. And that's the only way I can really describe that feeling. You know, I know by just hearing it, it's kind of like, well, what does he mean? And it's difficult for me to really say what it is that I mean. But more and more things were drawing me to lighter, like food, for example. After a little bit, I couldn't eat animals anymore so and i'm not saying this is for everybody like i'm not trying to like preach you know everyone should be vegan like me or something like that like no i write um, nutrition guides for people that eat meat it's no problem for me my son eats meat that's has nothing to do with me but what does uh have to do with me is that it, i don't vibe with it any longer i got really uh emotional when i started to eat meat. So I stopped eating chicken and I stopped eating fish and I started to commit to a 100% vegan diet. And I think by doing that, I was just adding to the idea of becoming lighter. The meditations that I would do, I would have to switch and gear over to a more grounding meditation. So I got wrapped up in the idea of doing root chakra activation you know, meditations and stuff like that. And then like really not really understanding what was happening, what, was, what I was doing is I was becoming a strict kundalini yoga that really helped the evolution where I was going, I suppose. And it was like inadvertent. I didn't know that this is what I was doing. It was until, you know, a little while after someone let me know. They were like, you know, what you do is kundalini yoga. And it can be, you know, dangerous. And they didn't know, they didn't know what they meant by dangerous. But, you know, back then, you know, I, I had Facebook and I, I reached out to somebody who was this young girl and she was a a monk and she lived in India and she had Facebook. She had a little computer. She had a phone with her and I reached out to her and she said that when I explained to her what was happening with panic attacks and everything, she said that it was the beginning of a Kundalini awakening and that I needed to receive Shaktipat, which was like an energetic transmission to 
ground that person back into this reality. And when she said that to me, I was like, oh my God, I definitely need that. <laughs> I didn't know exactly what it was that was happening. Uh, I truly believe that that's definitely something that would, uh, that that was helping. So, you know, the meditation from Kundalini awakening to receiving Shaktipat, my obsession with ETs and the idea that everything is connected, uh, this like spiraling tornado of experiences, you know, just really led me to my belief, which again, too, you know, you know my belief is really just an opinion. Uh, and it, opinions change. I mean, I could have a totally different opinion, you know, next month. I mean, I, I could eat meat tomorrow. I don't know. But uh, the idea that ETs and the experiences that we have with them, they're not much different than us. We just believe that they are because we're not taught about it. When was the last time you, you had an interaction with one of the Guardians? Oh, uh, last summer. It was hot. It was very, very hot out. It was last summer. I was sitting on the deck. I was taking my lunch break. And it was right around the time where I discovered your podcast. Uh, I explained to you before that I've listened to every one of your podcasts. Yes, every single one of them. And I just started listening last summer. Um, when I really focus on something, I want to get to the bottom of it. You know, being a personal trainer, I go to people's houses. I have a lot of time to travel and drive and listen to what I choose to. And when I was sitting on the deck, I was actually listening to your podcast and I decided, okay, I have another, you know, 30 minutes of my lunch break. I'm going to do a meditation. And I whipped out my, you know, earbuds and I went to YouTube and I put on some frequency tones that I like to listen to when I do meditation. And sure enough, I'm taking deep breaths and then I start to feel that old familiar feeling. And that was the last uh, experience that I had. Now, I don't know if I can like do it on command or I can have the experience with Guardian, but uh, that was the last time that it happened. And you're still regularly, still regularly practicing. Yeah. So meditation, spiritual practice is just another thing that I do each day and really no matter what. And what I mean by that is we have so many things that we need to do in our lives and we have these certain lists that we put those things on. We have the things that we want to do. We have the things that we should do, right? And then we have the list of things that we must. When we don't do the things that we want to do, it's not a big deal. Um, on the list of things that we should do, it's almost the same. It sucks. We should have done this. We should have done that. But we'll do it next time. But when do we? But when it comes to that must list. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like it, that particular thing is getting done. And what I'm talking about is, you know, the responsibilities we have each day. We have our, you know, we have our jobs and we have our kids and we have this and we have that. How are we going to get the rent paid or the mortgage? You know, how are we going to get lunch for our kids and all these things? And we don't know how we're going to do some of these things. I mean, especially with this past couple of years and the way the workforce has been going and a lot of financial, a lot of finances, people is up in the air. So we don't know how we're going to get these things done. But we do them. We don't know how we're going to pay the rent, but we get it done, but we do it. Now, for me, I put my exercise on the must list. I don't know how I'm going to fit an hour of working out into my busy, busy schedule. But you know what? I'm, I must. I must do it. Same with meditation. It's not something I need to do or want to do. It's something that I just must do. Wonderful. Okay. Really appreciate you coming on today and sharing that for our listeners, Trent. I very much appreciate uh, you letting me join and uh, be a part of it. I'll catch you later. Hope you enjoy the rest of your night. And uh, thanks again. That's great, Trent. Great talking to you, all right? Uh, keep in contact and uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. Certainly. Thank you. That is all for this week. Keep updated and connected with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
And if you have an encounter you'd like to share on the podcast, you can email me at ufochronicles at gmail.com or reach out to me via the contact page on my website at ufochroniclespodcast.com. A big thank you to Trent for sharing tonight and thank you all for listening. I will be back next week. Till then, stay safe and keep watching the skies. Goodbye. Thank you.